Welcome to the Fun Engagement Pod from Fun Insights, bringing you insights straight from the experts. You can join the Fun Engagement Network at funinsights.co.uk and we'll let you know when new episodes come out. We're also on Acast, Google, Apple and all major podcasting platforms. This stuff is the future. 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 This episode of the Fan Engagement Pod is a chat with two very important figures in the world of fan engagement, namely Cliff Stott, an expert in the behaviour of crowds from Keele University, and Owen West, retired Chief Superintendent with West Yorkshire Police and now Research Associate at Keele. Cliff and Owen are part of the Enable project, which is seeking to change the way football crowds are policed. Anyone interested in the supporter liaison officer role should listen to this, as well as anyone with a general interest in the way the police have and haven't engaged with fans in match-going situations. We had so much to talk about, we split it into two parts. This is part two, a focus on some of what's happening on the ground today and the potential for the SLO role in English football. Part one looks at a lot of the history, touching on Cardiff City's successes with their supporting liaison officer role in de-escalating violence. Am I right uh, if I misremembered there being something... um... Uh, something around a Millwall Leeds match that you did not long ago, which now I was I was reading some um, some stuff from Millwall fans who were singing the praises I think of of um, of the way they'd been policed up at Ellen Road. I think it was last season or the season before. Was that one of your pieces of work? I don't know. I think it was much more. It sounds like it was, if not your direct influence as a group, then it was certainly. We'd we'll definitely call it a work in progress, wouldn't we? <laughs> a work in progress. Well, what, I think what we can say is, is that we've been able to uh, start to influence the direction of travel of football policing in West Yorkshire. So we've gone to a position now where each club, uh, Leeds, Bradford, Huddersfield, have got embedded within them um, football engagement officers, that are, that are specialist officers that are there to sort of try and engender some of the stuff that Cliff talked about earlier on. We've introduced a new narrative in West Yorkshire. We've, we've challenged a lot of the, the really deep-rooted views of a lot of cops around, um, you know, uh, the way that, that, that fans are, are treated on reputation. We've introduced the, the science and the thinking that Cliff and colleagues have been working on for a while. So it's been a labour of love of mine. I mean, I've been working with Cliff for seven years now. Uh, and, and for the last several years as a senior officer, trying to change things in West Yorkshire and, and we, we are seeing in that force some success we are seeing some progressive changes to the way that football's policed but as Cliff says it's a working progress it, it can only ever be a working progress it only takes you know one thing to go wrong and then you know cops want to revert back to what we've known in the past so I think we can claim a little bit of credit for for that um, in terms of, of the, the influence we've been able to uh, to have. Tell me what um, what influenced the um, and I, I'm afraid I can't remember the technical name now, but the the local bodies that um, that oversee um, the regulation of um, the professional matches, where you have a, you have meetings between the police and the local authority. Um, those have been quite. I know from from having been involved in working with supporters trust for so many years, those have often been highlighted as 
um, really important strategic organisations that affect policing on the ground that fans have had a real problem getting involved in. Um, can you, can you? Yeah. So um, well, I think what you're referring to is the safety advisory group. So that's right. Yes. Safety advisory. Yes. I think, I think the thing that people need to understand about the environment in football is it's really highly regulated much more so than any kind of other sport. I think, you know, the amount of laws, the amount of regulations, the amount of kind of uh, things that have to be right before an event can go ahead are really, really stringently enforced in football. And of course, that's because of this really problematic history that football's got. And, and, and Hillsborough was, was a real change maker in that regard. So, you know, we get Taylor Report, we get all seat stadiums, we get safety advisory groups, et cetera, et cetera. Because... Um, you know, for a football match to go ahead, you've got to have somebody taking responsibility for safety inside that venue. So there's a safety certificate holder, um, and that is quite often the, the ground safety officer. And the license and the issuing of that license is, I think, by the local authority. And that the, the body that issues that license is called the Safety Advisory Group, which is a, a multi-stakeholder group, police, you know, fire, ambulance, uh, club, and so on. And I think what you're alluding to, Kevin, is the one stakeholder that's missing in that equation is fans. Mm. There's no real proper route of engagement mm. into the fan community at a structural level. And that's true in the safety advisory group. It's probably true in clubs. It's the, the, the level of engagement from police to fans is, is really weak. And I, I think right the way through all of this conversation, the implicit elephant in the room, if you like, is that issue. You know, how do we engage fans and, and, and move to an environment where we genuinely embrace the idea that fans are part of the solution, not part of the problem? Well, it's an interesting thing. I had a conversation with someone a while back. I think it was Daniel Gee, the, um, the football law expert, uh, regulation, regulations expert. And, um, and I said to him, have you ever noticed when you go through the rule book? And it's a, it sounds like a silly thing to say, really. Maybe it's just, maybe I'm, maybe I'm, I'm not the only, maybe everyone's noticed it is when you look at the rule book, um, the participants of football don't include fans because they don't. They historically never did. It was always about the playing of the game. It was never about the participation of fans as a group of people involved in it. And I'm not suggesting, I wasn't suggesting at the time that it would solve all the problems at a stroke, but it often struck me. And I said to, I was going to follow it up with something else, with a, with a little piece of work on it, which I've not actually done. But, you know, I said, well, have we ever thought what the rule book would look like if we said, well, let's include fans as participants then? Because... That seems to me, otherwise, what you're doing a lot of the time is trying to bolt fans into a process. Um, so I, I can see why, if you look at the way football is set up, that that's why the problem exists, isn't it? I mean, sh surely it wouldn't take too much to introduce such a change. Well, I mean... I think it, you know, is sort of encroaching outside of our territory, really, to some extent. It's sort of broader, sort of football industry issue of, of of how. I mean, that's definitely you know, ball in your court territory, Kevin. But I mean, one one area that we have focused on is is the the, the really important role that particular types of support liaison officer can play, and and this this work really is for us something that we've 
in a sense, discovered through our work in Sweden. We did a lot of work in Sweden for a while. Um, and and uh, people have a really distorted understanding of Swedish football and Swedish football culture. I mean, boy, oh boy, they're much worse out there than it is here, honestly. The, 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 the levels of confrontation and, and challenge in the Swedish football fan context is, is immense. And in that context, they've, over the last few years, developed, uh, embraced the kind of UEFA directive that fan engagement should be done through an SLO. And they've created this sort of model of SLO. Um, you know, a lot of SLOs, support liaison officers in Sweden, are ex-hooligans uh, and, and, and ex-ultras. And they have credibility and respect in relationship to marginalised communities that populate football. And that's, I think that at some level is a bit of a contrast because what you're talking about is kind of officialdom, you know. It's, it's like being embedded in the, in the structures of decision-making in football. Well, a lot of people, they're not interested in that. They, they want to go along to football and they're not really, you know, they're, they're not part of that. They, they're something a lot more sort of distant from that. And these support liaison officers really play a very, very important role in, in reaching out to fans who otherwise couldn't be reached. And I think that's part, part of the issue is that hard to... I heard this from a, a, a guy who works in a football project up in, in Leeds, Chapeltown uh, Youth Development Project. Um, and they talk about um, hard to reach, easy to ignore. And that, that's part of the problem is that you, and we find this quite a lot in the police as well. Well, we, you know, you need dialogue with fans. And we, well, we did try to talk to them. They didn't want to talk to us. So what can we do? You know, no, that's not the point, mate. You know, you've got to learn how to speak to people who don't want to speak to you. You've got to engage people who are alienated from you. And, and, and that's part of the issue here is about how can football set itself up to reach those hard to reach people, those hard to reach communities, because that's really where the engagement issue needs to be. And, and I, th I think there's a role for the police here, Kevin, in terms of what, what can be done. And certainly in West Yorkshire, and I know in other forces, they have adopted now a, an independent football advisory group. So lots of police forces, lots of sort of divisional areas have independent advisory groups that talk to them about hate crime, stop and search, you know, police tactics and how they're being viewed in the community. And what some progressive forces have done is, is establish those around football so to get the so if you think about the west yorkshire you've got leeds bradford others field fans together in a room pre-season talking about the matches that are coming up having an open and transparent dialogue getting back in touch if there are matches that are going to be contentious debriefing issues with them and i think there's a real role to play for fans in that space i get your point around fans being on safety advisory groups but you know, these things are, you know, there might be a misconception that these, these groups are meeting all the time. They, they don't meet that often. They tend to be, get convened when something is contentious or there's a dispute between the police and the club and the expectation is that the SAG will arbitrate in that. You've got a heavy influence there from the local authorities around sort of structural loading and engineering and things around the physical, you know, layout of the ground. Uh, and I don't see there's a lot of... Um, potential for the fan base to get involved at the SAG level, but I do see a huge amount of uh, potential for them to get involved at a very local level with the cops that are policing their ground every Saturday. Can I get? I want to get to a, a just drill down very briefly into the SLO point. Um, obviously, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I get the point about 
SLOs, you know, the SLO is a very practical role in that sense. Um, I mean, ultimately, I think the issue really, though, is that you have to view fan engagement as a strategic importance to your football club to have a progressive SLO role. Or not progressive, to have the role as, it, as the guidance from UA for an SD Europe says it should be, which is all the things that Cliff, you know, a lot of the things Cliff is talking about there. So how do, you know, I'm particularly interested in the fan engagement index when we look through the, um, the SLO role. Uh, and it was, a, it was admittedly a fairly basic measure because it was, you know, it was the first time this stuff had ever been measured. A lot of clubs, I think, are struggling with how you bridge that gap from the requirement to have it to it being a credible role, um, it being someone who has the respect of the fan base, is listened to, has credibility with the police, with security, um, and can have it with the board and the people running the football club as well. Because in the end, there, God, there has to be... Only bloody competent. I mean, that's the... <laughs> you know what I mean? You've got, you got to be that skilled. You've got to kind of interface with all of those stakeholders. Jesus Christ, you're Lots be... of those people exist. I mean, I, I, I spent a lot of time, tr- you know, trudging around football all over Europe, and I found loads of those people. It was always about the willingness of of a club or the, or the ability of the club to have the, I mean, I think how much do you think clubs need more guidance in England in that area? Do they, do you think they oh, receive God, enough I, guidance? I, I think the, the, for me, the SLO issue in England is, is really an area of massive need for development. I think the football authorities, English football league, the premier league need to play a much more proactive role in this. But we need a different sort of SLO in England because most SLOs in England live in the marketing department. Yes. It's about, you know, how many tickets can you sell? How can you? That's not the point of what an SLO should be about. The SLO, and this is the thing as well, it's, this is not about regulation. This is about an area that you might call the grey zone. That, you know, managing football fans is about discretionary behaviour. It's about sometimes moving the goalposts. It's about sometimes giving a little bit of leeway um, for things to happen that you might otherwise think were wrong. And, and, and that's, that's really important. And it, don't, it doesn't compromise anything. I mean, if you think about the office of the constable in British policing, it's all about discretion. It's about empowering people, an individual of the public, for the public, by the public, to make discretionary decisions about the application of the law. That's what always had been British policing has been about. And, and in a sense, what we're talking about is, is getting football policing into that place where there's a little bit more sort of discretionary decision-making, a little bit more dialogue, a little bit less obsessive compulsiveness about the application of the law. Because if, if we don't get into that gray zone, you sometimes can't navigate through what needs to be navigated through to deliver the end result, which is an event that doesn't kick off. Uh, uh, Owen, in a, in, a, in a very practical sense, um, an SLO at a football club, you're, you're taking yourself back into your, your, former, your former life as a police officer. Um, what's, the, what's the practical value of having someone there um, with the credibility amongst the fan base, the credibility amongst, you know, say, the, being able to face all ways you know what what's the practical value when it comes to problem solving um you know during a during a match leading up to a match 
you know, in day to day, you know, if you've got issues, what, what, what is the practical value that you miss? That so I, think, I think the first thing to recognise is the, is the lack of trust between fans and the police. And so to have someone there that does have legitimacy, that does have trust, that can work proactively and well with the police is, is really important. And I, I just go back to the thing that opened my eyes, which Cliff alluded to, which was in Sweden. And I recall uh, a huge number of fans getting off a train, massive police operation uh, outside of that train station, ready to take them up to the ground. And what I saw there was an SLO who had the trust uh, and respect of the fans, who got off that train, stood on some sort of dustbin or something and, and addressed the crowd and basically told them to hold on that platform until he was ready, he'd negotiate with the police for them to smoothly move on. Now, I would argue that there isn't a cop in Sweden that could have stood on there and made that entire group of hundreds of people comply and stay where they were. He could because he had their respect. And I watched the way that that, that individual um, interacted and worked with the local police commander. They worked together to allow the police to keep their distance, to keep things really sort of de-escalated. Uh, and for me, that was the real proof in the pudding for what that model, model ought to look like. Because the police have to recognise that they simply don't have that amount of trust and respect in the bank at the minute. They can't possibly achieve what you know one of the one of the fans own can achieve and so for me that's the real power of it in, in having someone who can uh, be the be the sort of uh, interlocutor between the police and the fan base um and as cliff said much much rather have that practical operational element than someone who really just knows about websites and the ticket office listen i'd like to end it there because i think that's perfect but what i'd like to do is I'd like to have another episode with you two talking about exploring the SLO stuff more, I think. Um, and I'd like to come back to you and talk about that and also come back and check in about how the project's going because, you know, the success of it will be whether we see the change coming and whether we see more Cardiffs um, and more of what we see. In yeah, place. Well, let's not forget about where we are, Kevin. You know, I mean... Oh, is there going to be uh, uh, games to go to next season? You know, I mean, we're, yes. we're in a really, really difficult place now, aren't we? And yes. everything is is in up in the air. But uh, we'd be more than happy to come back, wouldn't we? Oh, oh completely, yeah. yeah. I'd love to have you on. I get your point about experts, Cliff, but the expertise is in spotting that there's a that there's an opportunity to change, and that's been the real genius with the two of you, I think. 